Paul was afraid. He had very good reasons to be afraid. He knew of persecution. The Jews had, were both persecuted and persecutors. He knew of being persecuted as a Jew. The Romans, after all, ruled the promised land and he had grown up in the diaspora. And by the middle of the century, Claudius had kicked the Jews out of Rome. But he also knew of Jewish persecution attacking the new messianic movement within Judaism, the followers of the way, the Christians. I mean, as a young man, he watched Stephen being stoned to death. And then he had become himself the leader of the persecution. But now, as a follower of the way, as a proclaimer of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was always in danger. And he was afraid. In Damascus, he escaped in a basket from the murderous enemies. In Philippi, he suffered imprisonment and shameful treatment. In Thessalonica, he had, been, had to be smuggled out of the town under threat. In Berea, they had followed him and harassed him. In Athens, he was a foreigner, alone, the only Christian there, and scoffed at by the intellectuals. In Corinth, he was opposed and reviled by the Jews and dragged before the Roman court. In Ephesus, he set a city in on a riot. But Paul was a man who was known, who spoke boldly in the name of Jesus. Both in Damascus, where they tried to kill him, and in Jerusalem, where they didn't trust him because... He was Saul the persecutor who was now boldly speaking of Jesus. He often spoke boldly in situations of terrible conflict, like when he was in the, when the, the synagogue in Pisidia. Uh, they wouldn't listen to him. In Iconium, when the unbelieved Jews poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against him. Before King Agrippa and the governor Festus, he spoke up boldly. But it was not just in conflict. It was his normal pattern of speech to speak boldly. In Ephesus, before the opposition started, when he first went to the synagogue, we're told he spoke boldly. And the very last picture we have of Paul in the book of Acts, we read that he welcomed guests proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, and without hindrance. Yet, as a man, his presence and preaching were not impressive. It was said, presumably by his enemies, that his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. For in both his letters to the Corinthians, Paul argues from weakness the weakness of his preaching as well as of his person. He argues from weakness in opposition to the powerful and eloquent preachers of his day. He didn't come along with lofty speech or wisdom, he said. My speech, my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. The surpassing power of his message was not the messenger, but the message in jars of clay. Uh, remember 
how he reminded the Galatians that it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And my condition, and he says, it was a trial to you. But it wasn't only the external appearances of weakness and frailty. For Paul, it was also the internal struggle of fear and uncertainty that plagued him in his ministry. So he came to Corinth in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And he writes to them of fighting without and fear within. Fear of others, but also, more importantly, fear for others. Fear that his, he had laboured in vain, that the tempter may tempt and bring his labour to naught, that the serpent would lead their thoughts astray from a sincere devotion to Christ, that Christians would, ex would be exhibiting all the works of the flesh instead of the fruit of the Spirit that the Christians may be moved or unsettled by the inevitable suffering and affliction and persecution that is the destined lot of all Christian people. So with fears and trembling inside and with constant fighting outside, how did he have such boldness? How did he proclaim and teach with boldness? How did he face his enemies and his judges with boldness. How did he speak so boldly for Jesus to the Jews who hated his message of Jesus being the Christ and who hated his inclusion of Gentiles into the kingdom of God? How did he speak so boldly to the, to the Gentiles as opposed to the Jews? For the Gentiles loved their philosophy and their idolatry in Athens and they were committed to their magic and their other gods in Ephesus. How did he speak so boldly before Jesus to people who persecuted the Gentile Christians in Thessalonica and who persecuted the Jewish Christians? One thing to understand is it wasn't his natural character or eloquence or personal fervour like Apollos, who spoke boldly even when he didn't understand the gospel he was proclaiming and had to come to more college Priscilla and Aquila to learn what actually it was about properly. Paul's boldness is not uh, the extroverted outgoing personality. That's not the boldness that the New Testament is speaking of. Paul's boldness is found somewhere else. Paul's boldness is found in God. So in 1 Thessalonians 2, we read, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For the power of the gospel comes from God. God is the one who brings the word to the elect with power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. God is the one who opens the, the ears of people so that they hear in the words of men the very words of God. It's his message of the cross that is the power of salvation for everyone who believes, the sophisticated Greek and also the proud Jew. 
The surpassing power of God resides in the message that Jesus Christ is Lord. When, when our boldness is not in ourselves but in God, we then renounce underhanded ways of cunning and tampering with the message. Our appeal doesn't come from error or impurity or deception when our boldness is in God. We don't use flattery or operate with the pretext for greed. We don't look for the praise from people, but rather we lovingly care for them. Boldness is not forceful arrogance. It's something else here. As Paul wrote in something of a motto text in 1 Corinthians 16, let all that you do be done in love. Once you grasp God's mercy in our forgiveness, in our appointment as Christ's ambassadors, we no longer can or, or even need to use the world's immoral means of persuasion. Rather, we turn to God to take every thought captive. For our confidence, our boldness is in him. See, the author of Hebrews understood something of all this, didn't he? He understood that by Christ's death and resurrection, we can approach God with confidence and boldness. Now, think about it for a moment, friends. That author, he knew the, he knew of God being the judge of the living and the dead, the judge of all the world. He wrote, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He wrote, our God is a consuming fire, picking up from Deuteronomy. And yet the one who knew God as the consuming fire could also say, let us with confidence, with boldness, draw near to the throne of grace. And we have boldness, we have confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. If we can face the awful, the, the, the dreadful, the full of dread, take the word properly, the full of dread, righteous might of God, if we can face with boldness and confidence the one who is the consuming fire, why would we, why should we, how could we be afraid of human opposition? Or even spiritual opposition? As Jesus said when he was sending out the twelve to proclaim the kingdom, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. By Jesus' death and resurrection, we no longer fear him and his judgment, the judgment of hell itself. For Jesus has paid the price of hell for us. Jesus has turned aside God's anger against us. We now have the spirit of the Son so that we can now call God Abba, Father. And if God is our Father, our loving Father, who cares for us that much, then we should not fear those who could kill the soul, kill the body but not the soul, rather. So, 
like Paul, our boldness is to be found in God. Which is why, like him, we turn to God in prayer, asking for the boldness that God alone can give. You see it in Paul's request in the face of the spiritual struggle with powers and principalities in Ephesians 6, where he asks for a prayer that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chain, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Bringing in the Gentiles, the great mystery of the gospel, is something that he, the apostle of the Gentiles, should be speaking about boldly. But it's not Paul alone. His evangelistic life and ministry is our exemplar. We are to imitate him as he did Christ. But the boldness of preaching the gospel was seen right back in Acts 4. We have arrived there. In Acts 4 with the other apostles and their friends. Now turn in your Bible back to there. For there in the face of opposition, we read back in verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Then having been threatened by the rulers and told not to speak any more of this name Jesus, Peter said, Peter replied, down verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. All of which is the background for the reading that we did take from the end of Acts chapter 4, where gathered with their friends, they recalled the opposition to the Messiah that had been prophesied in Psalm 2 and prayed down in verse 29, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the... Uh, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak of the word of God with boldness. See, this is the normal expectation of evangelism. Proclaiming boldly the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. No point proclaiming it any other way. The conquest of Satan, the assurance of forgiveness of sins, the certainty of eternal life, the call to repent towards God and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And with this proclamation, with this demand to take action, to repent, comes two things. 
comes regeneration, repentance, salvation, rebirth, and comes rejection and suffering and division and persecution. When Paul described his ministry, he did it in terms of smell. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To another, a fragrance from life to life. <laughs> who is sufficient for these things? For we're not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. This is the spiritual battle that we are engaged in. It's not just a mental or even a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's why in our fear and in our trembling, in our lack of confidence, in our sheer terror, we must pray for boldness for courage, the boldness of free speech, to speak openly, to speak plainly, to speak straightforwardly. You can avoid rejection and disappointment. You can avoid embarrassment and, and the divisions of peoples and families. You can avoid the humiliation and the scorn of people that you speak to, simply by toning down the gospel, by not telling the plain truth, that the risen Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth, that one day they will face the Lord Jesus as the judge of the living and the dead, by not telling the plain truth, plainly, that it's appointed to everyone to die once, and after that, the judgment. By not telling them that there's only one name, Jesus, by which we must be saved. By telling them there is a way, there is a truth, there is the life, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but never mentioning no one comes to the Father except by him. You can avoid the conflict. You can avoid the discomfort, both yours and your hearers, simply by toning the call, toning down the call to repent. Just challenge people, answering all their, all their questions with your very clever apologetics. Challenge people to think and investigate further and, and, and to ponder it. Challenge people to sit in judgment on God and his son and his word. Make, make God answerable to sinful human hubris. Encourage your hearers into their non-judgmental self-determination. Confound people with the wizardry of your theological education and accommodate the gospel message to the current forms of pagan thinking. And build bridges to the world by showing yourself as somebody, somebody to like, somebody to, somebody like them, somebody, somebody who is admirable. Engage in the social welfare programs and the social justice programs of the day. This is the way 
to end conflict. And I will assure you of two results. One, you won't have any opposition to fear. And two, you won't see anybody converted either. My friends, if because of the gospel you're not afraid of the judge of all the earth, why are you still afraid of men and women? Why are you still afraid to declare it to others? Why are you still afraid of people who at the most can only kill you? That is the most. And it's very unlikely in Australia today. Why are you still afraid of making a fool of yourself? Pray for boldness. Boldness to make the gospel perfectly clear. For it takes courage. But you must find your courage in God. The Christians in Jerusalem prayed for this boldness and they continued to speak the word of God, we're told, with boldness. It didn't mean they avoided persecution, but it did mean many heard of the crucified Christ and came to saving knowledge of him. So as you write your talks this week, make them bold. Rewrite them. Make them bold. Tell the unvarnished truth. Demand repentance and faith. Assure people of forgiveness and eternal life in the family of God. Write them with boldness to actually tell them the mind of God. Boldness to call sin, sin. To tell sinners that they are sinners. To explain their rebellious rejection of God by ignoring him. To point out that evil, their evil, comes from the heart, their hearts. Boldness to declare the inevitability of death and the certainty of judgment and of hell. Boldness to explain that Jesus' death as the one and only sacrifice for sin that turns aside God's righteous anger against us, against them. Boldness to explain Jesus' resurrection as a fact of history, as the fact of history that gives evidence of the judgment day that is now fixed. The fact of history that establishes Jesus as both Christ and Lord, the judge of the living and the dead. Boldness to tell people to repent. Boldness to assure people of forgiveness. Plain, uncensored truth-telling is telling the truth in love. But it takes boldness in God to do it. So whatever else you are doing this week, Pray for boldness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life, for his death, and for his resurrection. We do praise you and thank you, Father, that he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness yours.
We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you not only save us by your gospel, but you entrust your gospel to us. That we are called by your Son to lose our lives for his sake and for the gospels. He who lost his life for our sake. We thank you, Father, that we can call you Father, that we can enter into your presence with confidence and the boldness of children because of your son's wonderful death for us and his magnificent conquer, conquest of sin and Satan and death by his resurrection and ascension to your right hand and by the pouring of your Holy Spirit into our lives that we can, we can even dare to call you Father and enter into your presence and make our requests known to you. And Father, as you have entrusted us with the gospel message, we now pray, Heavenly Father, for the boldness to make it known, that we may make it clear, unambiguous, plain, that you would take from our minds and our tongues the censorship of the truth, that you would give to our hearts such love for our hearers as to be desperate for them to hear the great truth of your Son, that you would give us such love for you and for your Son that we were desperate to make him known to others. Give to us this boldness, Father, for we are afraid. Stupid as it may be, silly as it may be, we are afraid because we are weak and we are frail and we don't think straight. So help us, Father, to overcome this fear that we might speak your word as we ought to speak your word. And as we engage in thinking over the next week about evangelism and writing talks about it, as we minister this weekend in our parishes and as we go to these other parishes and we do pray, Father, that as we go through this week, but as we go through our life, we may ever be bold to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, bringing glory to him and through him to you and salvation to others, that they may join with us in calling you our Father. And we ask these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.